You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today, we have a guest speaker. Here with us, this is Dave Lee. And Dave is a church planter in Plano. He's planting a church called Icon Church in sort of central Plano. And they had their official launch in, uh, back, in, back in March, was it, right? Mm-hmm. So he was sent out. He was a uh, church planting resident at the Village Church. They sent him out to plant the church. And Dave and I probably met about two years ago, something like that. We met a couple years ago. And I was... Um, it, he was still at the village and was preparing for the plant, and I was immediately drawn to Dave uh, because of his vision. So when I first met him, he was sharing that the vision for their church was obviously to plant a gospel preaching uh, church, uh, but to, pre- to establish a church that by God's grace in their DNA would be a, a multi-ethnic church from day one, that they would be a church where that would reflect their neighborhood, that many different kinds of people would gather uh, under Christ, diverse people, one in Jesus Christ because of the gospel. And so we love church planting. We love church planters. Last, If you were here in June last month, we prayed for a church planter that was in our service that's planting in just a few weeks up the street here in Frisco. And so I was so taken by Dave that I wanted you guys to hear from him as well. As I got to know him, what I found out about you, Dave, is that you're studied. This was not just a burden the Lord put on your heart, but you'd really researched and thought it through. Uh, he wrote his seminary dissertation on this topic. And so I read his seminary. I've never read anybody's dissertation, <laughs> but his was so compelling that I read it. And the reason it's compelling to me is because this is a vision that we have as a church. When we planted this church, this was not a diverse community. And so we pretty much looked like the community, not diverse. But as the, church, as the community has grown, we have wanted for the gospel to impact our city so that our church community reflects our uh, neighborhood community as well. And God's been gracious over the years to add different kinds of people and different nations, multiple nations represented in our church. And we're so grateful for that. But Dave's been a guy that I've looked to and learned from. I brought him in. He spoke to our pastors. We brought, uh, he spoke with all of our elders about what they're doing and, and what does it mean to be a multi-ethnic church around, centered around the gospel. We did Q&A with him. And, and uh, so anyway, wanted you to hear from him today. We've also, as a church, supported them, had an opportunity to support them financially. And David, we want to do that again. So I have a check. We're gonna, this is from our church to Icon Church you. to your church. I'm going to leave it here for you. But we are, we're wanting to be a support to you. And we're thrilled with what you're doing. And we want to uh, uh, we today we want to learn from you. We also want to be cheerleaders, pray for you, celebrate what God's doing. And I want to pray for you right now before you speak. So what would be a prayer request for your church? How could we pray for you? Yes. So Jesus tells us in his word that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And when you go out to do the work, you realize it's true. <laughs> you know, the, the need and the opportunities for the harvest is great. But we are feeling this sense of, man, this is overwhelming. And we need more co-laborers for this harvest. And so Honestly, if you could promise this week to just pray for us at least once and, you know, respond in whatever way God uh, leads you to respond, but especially if you could pray for co-laborers in the harvest, that would be amazing. Yeah, let's do that. So let's pray for them. Think of them this week, and let's, we can certainly pray right now. Mm-hmm. So let's pray for Dave and, and his church. Lord, we thank you for 
uh, Dave being with us today, and we thank you for the vision you've put on his heart. We thank you for the area that you've located them in, in, in Plano, and, and uh, we thank you for the opportunities as their community has grown uh, increasingly diverse over the years, the opportunities to be a light in the darkness, to be a city set on a hill down in Plano. And we just pray for that for him. We pray that you would give him um, the wisdom he needs to lead the congregation. We pray that you would give him co-labors, build a strong eldership team there uh, in that church to lead. We pray that you would raise up young men and women and older men and women as well that uh, would come alongside them to be laborers in the harvest, Father. We pray for that. Uh, we pray that uh, the resources would be in the harvest, Lord, that as they see people coming to their church and even getting saved and coming into their church, that they would be discipled and raised up uh, to multiply what you've done in their lives in that congregation. So we pray that you would work in this church, and uh, we pray that we would remember to pray for them. Uh, and we pray for, uh, Lord, we pray as well that uh, you would just bless them in all their people in their church, in their workplaces, that they would make relationships with their extended family, their neighborhood, that they would be able to reach others for Christ in their community down in Plano, Lord. And we pray for Dave right now that you would fill him with your spirit as he's going to open your word and preach to us, give us ears to hear, give him uh, a voice to declare your word, and may we all be changed by it today. We thank you for our brother being with us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. One thing I did mention is that they meet in another church's building, and so he has a two o'clock service, so he preaches twice here and then goes to his church. So I did want to thank you, your son, and, and uh, thank you for being with us on a busy day. Thankfully, he doesn't preach it too, so you can leave it all on the, uh, yeah, all on, leave it all on the court or all on the platform right here. So right. let's welcome Dave as he preaches. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. It really is a joy to be with you here this morning. I've been looking forward to it. Um, and, uh, man, I just want to say, uh, you know, whenever you're a young, you know, young buck church planter getting started uh, and you get invited uh, into some of the lunch, I actually met Pastor Craig at a lunch, at a, at a pastor's lunch. And from the moment I met him, the first thing that really stuck out to me was his character and humility. And I got to say, you know, having met a lot of different pastors, all kinds of pastors, for me, the number one thing that I look for is character. And so, church, you are blessed to have a man of character who resembles Christ. Can we honor him? You weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> but it, it really is uh, an honor to be here. Uh, before we actually get start, uh, started, I would like to actually go uh, in prayer. This is something that we do at Icon, though, uh, and I want to ask you to join in on it. Take a moment, let's pray, take a moment to pray for your own hearts. Right, if you could just bow your, uh, bow your head, close your eyes, pray for your own hearts so that God would speak to you today. And then if you could pray for the people that are to your right, to your left, that your brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would also hear from the Lord. And lastly, pray for me, that my words would be his words and my thoughts would be his thoughts. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. The story of humanity has most often been told 
through the lens of iconic moments. Moments, like in sports, for those of you who are sports buffs, like where Jordan's last shot, or the other guy, LeBron, uh, (laughs) who has his moment, but that's not really his moment, is it? Right? (laughs) Or this last uh, NFL playoff series when the Cowboys sent Tom Brady home for good this time. (laughs) Some of you guys are like, are you going to be listing off all sports all day? (laughs) Promise that's the end of it. All right? (laughs) But on a more serious note, we see iconic moments in society. Like when Dr. King gave his speech, I have a dream on top of the marble steps of the Lincoln Memorial Hall. Or when Neil Armstrong took his first steps onto the moon. Or in 2001 when the Twin Towers fell. We also see iconic moments in our own stories, our own lives. Whether it be moments of joy. Like when you held your baby in your arms for the first time. Or moments of grief and sorrow. Like when you said goodbye to a loved one for the last time. You see, these moments define an era. They set a trajectory and reflect a reality that is far greater than themselves. Now, church, we also, as a church and as Christians, we also have a story. And in our story, there are iconic moments that help us to remember who we are and what we are about. And today, in the passage that we have today, we will be looking at one of these iconic moments, the moment known as the Great Commission. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be working through verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28. 16 through 20. And through the lens of this iconic moment, we're going to look at, we're going to answer three questions. First, we're going to look at what our church's mission is. And second, we're, uh, hold back. First, we're going to look at why our mission matters. And second, we're going to look at what our mission is. And third, we will look at how this mission will be accomplished. All right, you all with me? All right, so Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. I'm going to read it for us. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word, church. So first we're going to look at why the church's mission matters. In verse 18 through 19, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You see, like a good teacher, Jesus knows, or like a good parent for some of you, Jesus knows that before you tell someone what to do, you must tell them why. You should do it. And we see this in the word, his use of the word, therefore. He says, do all these things 
Because, therefore, right, the, on the basis of these things. And what is the why here? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. You see, Jesus starts with a why before the what. And he starts with a why by saying that I have all authority. I am the reason. Now, why would Jesus' authority matter in this command? We have in our family three kids, Gabriel, who's with us today, Chloe, and Eliana. And uh, often, and this is, I did not expect Gabriel to be here when I was telling this illustration. <laughs> but often, we have a second child, Chloe, who's usually really sweet, really caring. Like she's, if I'm having a bad day, she's the one that's going to be like, hey, dad, do you, want, do you want water? Can I take care of you? You know, she's that kind of personality, right? And usually she follows the rules and she's just fine. But someday, everybody has their day, y'all. Right? Where she knows there's a rule in the house and she goes, you know what, today I choose to be king, right, or, or queen. And so she would sometimes break these rules knowing what the rules are. And, and when she does, her brother, Gabriel, would come and be like, hey, Chloe, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. and Because, you know, he feels responsible as the eldest child, right, for the behavior of his siblings. And when he does, almost every single time, Chloe will turn around and say, you're not my parent. You can't tell me what to do. Am I right? <laughs> Why does my daughter, Chloe, do that? Because instinctively, she knows that the who matters. You see, the authority and the weight of the what is determined by the who. The authority of the who that gives it, y'all, right? And in this case, Jesus says, the one who is giving us this command says, I, Jesus, matter because I have been given all authority. Amen. That I reign as king above it all. Picture where Jesus is right now. What is he doing? Can you imagine the stars in the sky just being clothes that he just wears? Can you imagine the Grand Canyon just being in the palm of his hands, like little, little lines in the palm of his hands? Can you imagine the immensity of our king? You see, church, we do not worship a dead body. We do not worship a passive savior. We worship the living God. You see, often when we think about the gospel, we think about the death of Christ. And most of us remember the resurrection of Christ. But too often, when life hits us, we forget the reign of Christ. That he is reigning. And that he is for you. And for me. Church, do we believe that Jesus reigns? With all authority over all nations, all principalities, all kingdoms. And if we do, then why are we so afraid? If we truly believe this, how does this practically change the way that we live our lives? If we believe that Jesus is king, then parents, why do we teach our kids that success is king? Or why do we teach that sports is king? Or that comfort is king? Why are we so anxious when our bank accounts gets a little lower than you would be happy with? Or why do you look so defeated when you have a sin that you just can't shake? 
If Jesus is king, and he is, how does this practically change the way that you live your life? Or are you too often like me, intellectually Christian, but functionally atheist? Do you believe that Jesus reigns? The what of the mission matters because the why matters. And the why matters because the who. The who, Jesus Christ, reigns with all authority. This then leads us to the what of our mission in verse 19. Jesus says, based on this reason, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And when we hear the word disciples, it's not a word that we hear more often or most often in culture and society today. So let me unpack the word disciple for us. What is a disciple? This is an adaptation of Comer's uh, definition, just so I don't plagiarize. But, uh, but I want you to get it because this is helpful for our discussion. Comer would say, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus would do. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus would do. Notice there how many times we say Jesus. Because the goal of a disciple is to be like one's master, or to be like one's teacher, and that is Jesus Christ. You see, Romans 8.29 says that from the beginning of time, all of those who are Christ, who are God's, he has... He has predestined them to be conformed into the image or the icon. That's why our church is named Icon. The icon of his son, Jesus. You are to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus would do, that you would reflect Jesus Christ in every area of your life. We do not live a life that is compartmentalized. We are to be disciples who make disciples. This is the command. And why do we need to do this? Jesus goes further and he says that we are to make disciples of all nations. In the Greek, all means all. Not complicated. You don't need a degree for that. Right? All nations. In other words, we are to take this gospel and to live the gospel among people who are not like us. Uh Uh-oh. Listen, Jesus did not just give his life to reconcile us to God vertically. He also died to reconcile us to one another horizontally. How much did Jesus care about our reconciliation, about our diversity and unity in him? He cared enough to what? To give his very life for it. And church, if Jesus cared about this issue enough to die for it, then how much should we care for it? Should we care enough at least to give up our comforts and our preferences and our cliques and our tribes. I remember when I, a while back, I was working at a Korean-American church as a young adults pastor. 
And we had this big initiative, uh, this campaign as a church to go out there and to, to uh, share the gospel with others. And so our people did. Our young adult groups, they went out for weeks and we went and shared the gospel. And then finally we had this young adult gathering and we had two young black ladies come to our gathering. But for me, the tragedy of it all was that when they came into our space, no one welcomed them, no one talked to them. When we had our meal, no one ate with them. And they left hearing this message about this beauty of Jesus. And then they walked away, left never experiencing that love. You see, it's not the gospel that's the issue. It's not. You see, the gospel practically that we were preaching was that you can believe in Jesus, but you can't belong with his family. And listen, if we're not careful, if we make our comfort and convenience king, we are so easy. It is so easy to just stick with what we know and who we like to be around. Right? But listen, your workplaces, your communities, the place where your kids go to school, the places, college students, where you go to college, it is diverse. It is full of people of all nations. The Lord in his gracious kindness has brought the nations to us. We can reach the world by reaching our city. But in order for us to do that, it takes us being willing to give up our comfort for God's kingdom. To be able to say, look, the church is not just a place where you believe in Jesus. You belong here. You are loved here. And we celebrate the beauty of how God created you here. We make disciples of all nations. The what of the mission of making disciples of all nations. This is a command, y'all. This is not an option. The The last command from Jesus must remain the first priority of his church. And this is why Grace's vision here is to see Jesus' mission fulfilled in Frisco and beyond. Jesus' mission is at the very center of this church. We must never separate the two, the mission and the church. I love how Christopher Wright explains this in the mission and the church. He says, it is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. Church, we are called to be a going people for a coming king. And for us to forget our mission is to forfeit our very reason for existence. I remember the time before when I was living in Philadelphia, there is a very famous ship that looks like a wreck, uh, just, just sitting out in the harbor. And I used to be like, what is this ship about? Like, what, what is this thing? Like, it, it's, it's huge, it's massive. Um, this is, for those of you who do not know, like I didn't know, this is the USS United States, which was built in the 1950s by the U.S. Navy as the largest and fastest ocean liner to cross the Atlantic Ocean. It was able to transport 14,000 troops for 10,000 miles without ever needing to refuel. The cost to build this massive ship was the modern-day equivalent of $829 million. 
However, the USS United States was never once used for what it was really intended for. It was used instead as an unprofitable commercial passenger ship. $829 million is a lot to make, you know, before you make profit. All right? Uh, Eventually, the ship, the parts of the ship were stripped, thrown away, or sold. And today it sits in the dock in Philadelphia where it has sat for the last 25 years. Just a relic of days gone by. I'm going somewhere with this, (laughs) y'all. You see, the church can have the nicest building, the coolest people, the best programming, heartwarming music, right? The most fun kids program, all of that stuff. The church can have all the glitz and the glamour. But church, if we forget our mission, then we are no better than this old dead relic. And this is what society and culture often says about the church. You guys are obsolete. The church? Who needs the church? I thought we're past the church. I thought science has explained it all. I thought our culture, we don't need this anymore. It's just an old dead religion. But church, Jesus did not set up the church to be a monument for the past. No, Jesus instituted his church to be a movement of people who reflect tomorrow today. We are supposed to reflect the kingdom of heaven. We're supposed to give people hope. But y'all, the church cannot be the movement it is intended to be if we forget our mission to make disciples of all nations. So then the question remains, okay, we talked about the why and the what. All right, Dave, how do we go about doing this mission? Let's keep reading verse 19 through 20. Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the command of Jesus here to make disciples has three Aspect, verbal aspects, or three ways that Jesus says that we are to fulfill this command. He says to go, to baptize, and to teach. So we're going to unpack those real quick. He says to go. Go and make disciples. Now some of us like to go, when we hear the word go, we go, go where? And there's a lot of theologians who are arguing about where should we go? Do we go local? Do we go global? And we're, what does going mean? Or which going matters more? The point of going is you making the choice to go. It's an intentional choice that you make. Every single day when you wake up and breathe in a new day. Every single time you walk out those doors, you're saying, here I am, God, send me. It's a choice. To go into your neighborhood, into your school, your community, your work. To reflect Jesus in the places where he has sent you. That's what going means. Go. Second, baptize. Baptize. Again, we get lost in, well, what mode of baptism are we talking about here? Like, what are we talking about in this? Again, baptize. Let me, let me, let me break down a little bit, okay? Let me backtrack a little bit. In the culture, the word baptize was used to describe a cloth that was dipped into a dye in such a way where this cloth would come out transformed in its identity. 
Now, church, when you and I choose to place our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we were baptized, died in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. All of us are red, y'all. Red with the blood of Jesus. That is our identity. That is, our identity has shifted. That means your primary allegiance, your citizenship, your citizenship is to the kingdom of heaven. It's not to a donkey. It's not to an elephant. It's to the lamb. It's to the lion and the lamb of God. That is who we are. We are one church. We are one. We are called to live out this identity as God's people on earth. And he says we are to be baptized in the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is one of the clearest expressions of the Trinity that we have in Scripture. We are baptized in the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says that in our oneness, we are to be, it's meant to be expressed in such a way where the Trinity is reflected. And what we know about the Trinity is that God is three persons, but he is one in essence. All members of the Trinity are distinct, but they're equal and they're one as God. We're taking it back to systematic theology, all right? All right, doctrine 101. We believe in the Trinity. And so this means this, that in God, in the Trinity, we are to live out his triune community in our diversity. We are, we are different. Look at this room. Look how many different kinds of people there are. We are different. But we are called to be one. And listen, if God is not person blind with himself and how he sees, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, right? Then why should we be colorblind with each other? You guys get what I'm saying? Let me see if I can make this plain. So in my story, I grew up thinking that in order for me to fit in to be loved, I needed to be more American. Right? And so I grew up hating my skin hating my culture, getting into all sorts of battles with my parents about my identity. And I try to fit in through success and achievement to belong, to earn love through success. And that drove me, y'all, until I was 29. I was a a pastor at a megachurch, and we were in this meeting, and I just realized I look different from everybody else, and I can't do nothing about it. And my imposter syndrome started to kick in. And then at the same time, I'm in this Trinitarian class at Dallas Theological Seminary, and then we're learning about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We are, they're all different. And, we're, and it clicked. It's like the Holy Spirit. It clicked in my brain for the first time. If God is not person blind, then I cannot be colorblind, which means that I must learn to appreciate my own Korean heritage. That God did not create me by accident. I can't tell you how freeing that was. I can't tell you how humbling that was. I'm a grown man, 29 years old at that point, just learning to embrace my culture for the first time. We are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This beautiful community right here that you have in grace is meant to reflect the triune God. In its diversity, in its unity, 
and equality in church. Too often the church runs away from the topic of diversity because we are so triggered by it. But we don't need to be running away from it. God himself is the source and the example of what diversity is supposed to look like. I believe young people today are looking for hope. And diversity is one of the greatest apologetics of the gospel to point them to why only Jesus is the true king. We don't need to run away from this topic. You're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lastly, he says teaching. Jesus says that we are to make disciples by teaching his commands. And we have to get this. He says we like to stop and teach. But he says to teach them to observe. All that I have commanded you. Now you got to get this. Because when we think teaching, we often just think of intellectual exercise. But listen, discipleship is not just intellectual acquisition. It is holistic transformation. To observe means that you are to teach them to know so that they would do it and experience it for themselves. How many of you guys would trust your life and your surgery to a doctor who only knows how to do your specific surgery through a textbook and not through life experience? We are to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And where is this discipleship Supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen in community. Because remember, Jesus is talking to a group of people. You are among one another to teach. Discipleship, listen, discipleship is caught, not just taught. You have to see it reflected in your life as the thunder roars. (laughs) Listen, try to practice loving one another by yourself. It's not going to work. Right? We need community. That's why the whole me and Jesus, I just need Jesus and we're good. That's why that doesn't work. Because Jesus is like, well, if you need me, then you need my bride, the church. Right. And need, you need a family because you're not an orphan. Right. We need community. Discipleship happens in community. And this is why at Grace Church, there's so much emphasis here. Place in community. And there is a small group that's launching. And so if you have not been, if you have not placed yourself in community to be cared for and to grow, then please do that. It should be on the website. It's going to be kicking out tonight. There is an opportunity right here for you to plug in a community. Because get this, because church is not a show you attend. It's a community you love. It's a family you belong in. And so I would highly encourage you to be in community. So today, church, we talked about why our mission matters, what our mission is, and how this mission will be accomplished. Now, if I'm going to say, if I'm just processing all this, make disciples of all nations, I feel overwhelmed, don't you? I feel a sense of doubt. This is huge. This is massive. I'm not sure if we're able to do this. And I can't help but wonder if this is why Matthew includes in our text verses 16 and 17 where he says the 11 disciples went to Galilee to which Jesus had directed them. But it says verse 17, this little nugget. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. What were they doubting? We're not sure. We're not sure what they're doubting. Maybe they were doubting whether... uh, you know, this was really going to happen. Maybe they were doubting because they just all denied Jesus, not just Peter, but they all ran away from Jesus. 
Maybe, maybe they were doubting because they were insecure with their imposter syndrome. Uh, or maybe they too were overwhelmed by the immensity of the command that Jesus just gave them. What were they doubting? We're not sure. But can I be honest? I'm so glad they doubted. Why? <laughs> because I doubt too. I struggle too. Church planting has a way of revealing and unsurfacing all your insecurities, all your doubts, all your fears. The longer I've been in church planting, the more I realize that I'm not good enough, not smart enough, not capable enough, not righteous enough, not loving enough. I'm just not enough. And that's okay. Why? I love how Jesus responds to the disciples' doubt here. He responds to the disciples' doubt in such a gracious way. And he says in verse 20, And behold, look, I am with you. No matter what situation, no matter what circumstances, whether you're in prison or whether you're in a house, doesn't matter. I am with you to the end of the age until this mission is finally accomplished. And church, this mission is not accomplished yet. Jesus is with us. He solves the disciples' doubt by promising his presence. And why does he do that? As I close, I'll share a little story. When I first started in church planting, I was a, a lead campus pastor at a large church in DFW, and making a nice comfy salary. Everything seemed pretty good. But then when the invitation came from the village church to go into their church planting residency, unpaid, non-paid, zero. No health insurance, nothing. <laughs> I felt God was going, go. But I felt myself going, no. <laughs> and then I turned and I talked to my wife. And she goes, what are you so afraid of? When has God ever let us down before? Like Nike, just do it is my wife's life motto. <laughs> uh, and so we went. During 2020, summer of, y'all remember August 2020, we jumped ship and went into this church planning, non-paid church planning residency with no health insurance, no benefits, which mattered, y'all, because a couple of months into the residency, my wife was changing our youngest daughter, Eliana's diaper, when we found that one of her legs has swollen up twice its size. And so we took her to the ER, and we found out that she had sepsis, an infection in her blood, and so we had to do two, three operations to fix it. And again, all of this was happening when we did not have health insurance. And so finally, the, the, the bill came out to $51,000. And y'all, I couldn't help but start doubting and wondering, did I make a mistake? Should I have done this call? What should I have done? Why am I doing this? I felt like a bad Father, a bad husband, all of these things started to come up. And on top of all that, because of COVID, I couldn't be with my wife and kid because there was only a one parent policy that they had. And so here I am with the other kids sitting at home, lost and wondering what and confused and what I should do. And it was a Sunday, and I remember I couldn't even make the worship gathering. And one of the elders at the village church called me, and they they said, hey, Dave, during the service, I just felt like the Lord was saying, hey, call Dave, and whatever he asks for, help him. 
And so I told him the situation, and he's like, don't worry about it. You know what, right now, let's start, I'll, I'll give you a 5,000 check personally. Let's figure out how to deal with it. Now, listen, my circumstance did not change. At that point, I did not know whether 5,000 was enough or not. I just knew that this is going to be massive. I did not know how we're going to solve this or what's going to happen or who's, I did not know any of these things. It was still very much a big question mark, but the, the disposition of my heart has shifted. And I went from fear to peace. Because what I realized in that moment was that God was speaking to this man to tell me, hey, Dave, I'm right here. You see, it was the presence of Jesus that dispelled my doubts and fears. And I can't help but wonder if this is the same reason why Jesus promises his presence to his disciples. You see, if we're going to live for Jesus, we need to be with Jesus. It's Jesus' presence that dispels our doubts. It's his presence that empowers us when we feel weak. It's his presence which gives you and I the confidence to finish the race well. It is Jesus' presence that we need. This is why in 1 Peter, Peter says, cast all your anxieties upon him, for the Lord God cares for you. And so church, today as we end... I would like to invite you to draw near to God, knowing that he has promised to draw near to you. His presence is here with you. And so if you could close your eyes and take a moment to draw near to Jesus. Whatever weight you are carrying today, lay down at his feet. He's there with you. Whatever doubts, whatever sorrows, Thunder reminding us that our Jesus is King. And let me pray for us as we end. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.